Hi, I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. Now, it's been a little while since I posted a podcast, and you can maybe hear why. I've recently uh, been busy. I've been doing a little bit of work. Yeah, besides doing the podcast, <laughs> I also do a little bit of work. I had a uh, had a travel, uh, had an international trip where I got a chance to be in China for a few days, Thailand and Taiwan, and teach workshops over there for core health and fitness. And it was a very interesting experience. And I'm going to talk about that later on a different quick fit tip. But for today, I'm going to do a full, we're doing a full interview with somebody I caught up with in Bangkok, Thailand. We were both at the Asia Fitness Conference. And when I saw that she was going to be there, I got super excited because I've been wanting to interview her for so long. On this episode, we speak with Sue Falzone. Sue is an athletic trainer. And I'll explain, well, I'll explain it now. The difference between an athletic trainer and a strength coach is that an athletic trainer deals with injuries. You know, if you ever hear of athletes going to a training room, or if you're an athlete yourself and you went to a training room to get taped up, or you went and got ice after practice or after a game, that's an athletic trainer. And in certain countries, they call them a physio or a physiotherapist. But an athletic trainer is kind of like that first first responder if there's an acute injury for an athlete. If there's an you know, athlete injured on the court or on the field, the first person out there is the athletic trainer to triage and decide the course of care. So Sue Falzone is an athletic trainer as well as a physical therapist and a strength coach. Sue was one of, she was one of the, the people that helped grow athletes' performance. And athletes' performance was one of the top or is one of the top training facilities in the world. And it recently, maybe three or four, not recently, but a few years ago, athletes' performance rebranded as EXOS, E-X-O-S. So if you've heard of Athletes Performance, or you've heard of AP, or if you've heard of Exos, Sue was instrumental in creating that. And what we're going to talk about with Sue today is her experience being an athletic trainer, but most importantly, what Sue is well known for is she was the first head athletic trainer of any of the four professional major professional sports. So Sue was the athletic trainer with the Los Angeles Dodgers for a number of years. She originally started out under contract, as she explains, under contract with AP, and she talks about the challenges of being a female in working in a professional or professional sports environment. So with that, I'm going to take a step back. We have a quick word from the sponsors of All About Fitness. I'm posting this uh, posting this recording in mid-November. Very exciting. TerraCore has been a sponsor of All About Fitness since the beginning, partly because I do some contracting work with TerraCore. But TerraCore is going to be on Shark Tank on November 17th. So on Sunday, November 17th, if you're a fan of the Shark Tank, if you're a fan of All About Fitness, and if you've purchased the TerraCore, you will get to see the TerraCore on the Shark Tank. Kind of exciting. So I'm going to have a little more information on that on a couple other, on another episode here. But just for now, if you're listening to this in uh, mid-November, we will have the TerraCore on the Shark Tank. So that's kind of exciting. So with that, we're going to take a word from the sponsor, TerraCore, and then we'll get into it with Sue Falzone. It's a platform. It's a balance tool. You can do a ton of different exercises on it. Guys, you've been listening to me talk about the TerraCore. You've been hearing TerraCore ads on All About Fitness. Well, I've got great news for you. I went to the folks at TerraCore. The code AAF, I changed the code. The code AAF now gets you a 25%. That is 25% savings on a TerraCore. Use code AAF to save 25% on a TerraCore. What is TerraCore? Don't go to TerraCoreFitness.com. That is TerraCoreFitness.com. 
T-E-R-R-A, corefitness.com, and check out one of the coolest products in fitness. See why Men's Health voted it one of the top fitness at-home products that you should have for your workouts. Check out TerraCore Fitness on Instagram to see some amazing tricks. Again, TerraCore now is 25% off through All About Fitness. Use code AAF to save 25% on the purchase of a TerraCore. Hey, this is Pete McCall, the All About Fitness Podcast. I am in Bangkok, Thailand with somebody I've been trying to catch up with for quite a while, with Miss Sue Falzone. Do you get Sue or Susan? I'm sorry, I should ask that. Oh, no, that's okay. Uh, I usually go by Sue, but yeah, my mom calls me Susan when uh, I'm in trouble, for Pete. sure. <laughs> Pete, I always go by Pete. And, you know, sometimes people call me Peter, and I'm like, wait, what did I do? I know. What did I do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Sue. So, nice, Sue. Now, you're, I've been wanting to speak with you for a while because you're well-known as an athletic trainer. Let me pull the microphone a little bit. There we go. I've been wanting to catch up with you for a while because you're a well-known athletic athletic trainer. And first, as we start the conversation, can you describe the difference between an athletic trainer and a personal trainer? As I think people hear those terms, and a lot of people that don't do what we do don't understand that difference. Yeah, there's definitely a a really large difference uh, between the two, just from an educational standpoint. Um, A personal trainer, a lot of times, will have varied backgrounds. Like I actually know personal trainers who um, have graduated from college really in um, degrees that are sort of unrelated to personal training and then have done additional coursework outside of the university and um, able to get um, different certifications and sort of uh, different things based on their education post college. Um, Whereas an athletic trainer is um, definitely enrolled in a um, like a curricular-based program and is definitely a healthcare professional. So they have a lot of education. Uh, in the medical world, they're really a primary care provider. So they may function anywhere um, from like being the first person to be on the scene of an injury uh, to being a physician extender uh, within a physician's office to being in a rehabilitation center, sort of working side-by-side with a physical therapist. Um, so there's really a lot of different uh Uh, settings that an athletic trainer can work in, Uh, but definitely more of a medical healthcare professional versus a personal trainer who works typically more on the strength and conditioning fitness side of the house. So you're basically, my understanding is, I just want to make sure I'm correct, is is that like athletic trainers really try to keep the athletes from getting injured and then you're the first, you're the first care, the first line of response if an injury occurs during play, correct? Yeah. An athletic trainer definitely can function in injury prevention, no doubt. I definitely, and this is just my personal opinion, like to me, the personal trainers and the um, strength and conditioning coaches really play a huge role in injury prevention and athletic trainers will oftentimes play a huge role in rehabilitation initial injury management and rehabilitation, but for sure, athletic trainers can function in injury prevention, no doubt. So athletic trainers, um, you know, it's kind of like when people say they're a physical therapist, it's like you could work in orthopedics, you could work in sports med, you could work in pediatrics, you can work in um, you know, cardiorespiratory. Like there's so many different settings that a physical therapist can work in. Same thing with an athletic trainer. Uh, so it's really just sort of dependent on what their specialty is, but, but definitely more of a medical professional versus fitness, health, um, health and wellness. And I think that's an important distinction. And how did you get interested? What, what caused you? to be, Were you an athlete yourself? Did you have any experience with working with athletic trainers? What, what caused you to go down that road? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I am not the best athlete in the face of the, <laughs> on the face of the earth. I actually, um, I swam. I did synchronized swimming growing up. And so I was in a pool the majority of my young, uh, of the majority of my younger days. And so, you know, really in that 
younger age, like around the age of 8 to 10, is where you develop fast twitch muscle fibers and eye-hand coordination and sort of all those things. And, and I really lived my life in a pool, so I'm a horrible athlete. Um, I, you know, I thought I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. That was my original thought. And then uh, ended up going to PT school because it was an undergraduate degree at the time, which is sadly showing my age. Uh, <laughs> but went to physical therapy school and then got out of PT school and started working in a clinic and worked side by side with an athletic trainer and was really sort of able to see that distinction between an athletic trainer and a physical therapist and decided that athletic training um, and, and still being a physical therapist but with an athletic training background as well was really where I wanted to go. I wanted a little bit more uh, experience and education in that um, that initial injury management stage, which I really didn't get um, from my physical therapy side of the house. And so then during my time in athletic training school, I also um, was able to, well, actually when I was a, before that, I sat for my CSCS and became a strength coach and then did some personal training during college to pay the bills. Um, and so kind of lived on that side of the house. And so then when I got out to Arizona and randomly met a guy named Mark Verstegen and started kind of functioning within the performance realm, really that was my first opportunity to be a physical therapist, an athletic trainer, and a strength coach all at the same time without having to sort of choose which letters were going to define me and my career. Um, and so really, I think I've kind of built the career that I never knew that I always wanted, which was to not have to choose which of those things I wanted to be. I was able to be strength and conditioning, athletic trainer, and, and physical therapy sort of all at the same time. And now, and that's the other thing. I mean, you're you're known, you're you're well known, like within within our industry in the education realm because of your experience at AP at Athletes Performance. And can you describe what the, what you know? Some people may know it, it's now called Exos, but Mark did something very you know did something unique and very different when it came to performance training. So what was AP slash Exos, and what what do they specialize in? Yeah, uh, you know, we were just talking about this yesterday. Um, I started working for Mark back in 2001. That that's when. Uh, I started working for him, and I cannot believe that was 18 years ago. I mean, that's you know almost 20 years ago, and and Mark just was really starting a special place. I I was in the right place at the right time, and and was Mark's seventh employee, which is insane because now they're a company of thousands, and so was really his first physical therapist, able to start the physical therapy program within what they were doing from a, the performance side of the house. Um, but really, I mean, Mark should be credited for creating the term performance training, right, and per, being a performance coach versus a strength coach, um, and really was sort of instrumental in kind of shifting gears. Um, you know, it's not just about strength and conditioning. It was about enhancing an athlete's performance, hence the name. Um, and so, yeah, it was really, really a special time. And, and to be able to be a part of that, uh, you know, when we really didn't have any athletes, I mean, gosh, we would have like one client and then, um, you know, I would just hang out with the strength coaches and the strength coaches would hang out with me. And so we were really able to bridge that gap between rehab and performance um, huh. together. See, the first time I heard of AP was in the early 2000s. I was working, in, I used to be a tra trainer in gyms in DC, Washington DC. And I was watching a guy in one of our studios do go through like a whole movement prep warm-up protocol. I was like, okay, he obviously knew what he was doing. I started talking to him. He, he was a long snapper, I think, for maybe the Packers. And he's like, he told me he trained off-season at, at Athletes Performance. And that was the first time I heard Mark's name. Then I think a year or two later, he wrote the book Core Performance or yeah. Core Performance Essentials. Yeah. And that was such a, it, it, it did such a great job of explaining his systems, why core training is important, what he calls pillar strength, that I started buying that for my clients and be like, 
you know, hey, here, I'm going to just read this. I'm going to coach you how to use this book because everything that Mark did. So he was all about the systems. How did, what did AP specialize or what did EXO specialize in and how, what, they, what did they do today? Yeah, it, it was so interesting, right? Because we created all of those terms that we utilize now in fitness and in strength and conditioning and performance all the time, right? Like we created those terms pillar strength and they've stuck. Yeah. Um, you know, we created the, the terms performance coach and performance physical therapist and, and really, like you said, created these systems that didn't exist 20 years ago. You know, utilizing concepts of dynamic warm up, which we called movement preparation, and then being able to go from that and move into different. Um, sections of a workout, whether you're working on linear movement or multi-directional movement, and then going into the weight room and making sure that everything you did in the weight room really supported movement versus just uh, getting bulky or, or hypertrophy, right? There, there's times, there's time and a place for a hypertrophy, um, but really being able to emphasize an athlete's performance, creating somebody, creating strength and power for someone that's really um, usable for them. And so um, the, the concepts of recovery and regeneration and having nutrition right there and then uh, that was able to help support recovery and help to support um, lean mass building and sort of all of those things and having us all really work together in one system um, is is really what what we all created back then, which was really, really cool. Well, you just dropped the term movement prep, and movement prep is like, yeah, we have pillar strength. We have, you're right. I mean, I didn't even think about that. All that stuff evolved out yeah. of what you guys were doing in Tempe. And just a little side note, and then we'll shift on, but around maybe 2005, one of my clients, you know, I told him about, about athletes' performance. He went to, I think it was in Vegas. That was when it was in Vegas. Yeah, we did have one in that, Vegas. You, you, there was an executive training program, yeah. and I told him about it. He loved it. He went like two or three years in a row because he was a golfer. And for him, he told me it was like a dream vacation because he could go train and he like he was next to NBA players he's next to whatever and it was just like he, he loved that and I don't know if they still do that but he you know it, and it, he, every time he came back he's like dude you're doing everything because like, everything I would do in my classes with my clients was stuff I was learning from what you guys were doing yeah. so it was kind of cool to tie that in now from AP well you're doing both at the same time and one of the reasons why I want to speak with you is because what do you what, what happened where did you go after athletes performance who did you work for after that yeah, well, during my time at Athletes Performance, the LA Dodgers approached us to help them create some systems um, sort of based off of what we were doing at AP at the time. And so um, that kind of came became my account, for lack of a better word. And so I kind of managed that relationship. And so um, Stan Conti uh, became their director of athletic training services, and um, we really worked closely together uh, over the course of a couple of years. Um, trying to help just create some systems for, for the Dodgers from an injury prevention standpoint or an injury reduction standpoint, from a performance standpoint. And Athletes Performance was really able to support the organization as a whole. Um, my role gradually grew from sort of a monthly consultant, you know, spring training kind of a thing to what was supposed to be 80 you know, 80 games or 82 games, and then that grew into 120 games, and it Jeez. grew into 140 games, and then, you know, playoffs and spring training, and before you knew it, I was just full-time, and so, uh, yeah, you know, became full-time with them, became their head athletic trainer when Stan moved to a vice president position, and um, continued my role at Athletes Performance, and uh, yeah, being vice president of a growing large company and head athletic trainer of a major league baseball <laughs> team are probably not two jobs you should have at the same time. Uh, but I, I, I did that for a while. So yeah, I was with the Dodgers for six years. I was with Athletes Performance for 13 and um, most of those years overlapped together. And, and it see, was... that's, But that's so cool. And, and, and what's so important about that 
and, and what I fa- when I'm fascinated, I don't follow sports that closely, but what I follow is like the conditioning protocols and, 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 and how teams stay injury free. How important is the strength and conditioning program and what is the role of a strength and conditioning program for a professional team like the Dodgers? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely essential. Um, you know, we weren't always, unfortunately, always uh, successful with our injury prevention programs. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, these guys are just taxing their body. At the time, it was 162 games in 183 days, right? It's just whoever was the healthiest, you know, last man standing kind of a thing yeah, yeah. Is, is really how it goes. I mean, basically, is is just a grind and um, to live it every day from a nutrition standpoint, from a sleep standpoint, from a recovery standpoint, from a, a strength and conditioning standpoint, right? Not just adding volume on to people's programs, but how can we really be efficient with our load and with our speed and with our prescription to maintain their strength, to maintain their power, to maintain their mobility and flexibility, and yet not just continue to add volume onto an organism um, is, is really, uh, you know, the holy grail kind of right every team is still trying to figure that out well and everybody's because because i think the reason why i ask that is because a lot of people will think of a strength and conditioning coach as their job is to make the athlete big or jacked or, or muscular or whatever but in reality the goal is to what to stay injury free right yeah absolutely you know um the goal is always to be injury free you know i i would argue you know, the guys, by the time I got, got them at that level, right, these guys were Major League Baseball players. You know, could I improve their performance? Sure. Maybe I could help them improve their running mechanics a little bit. Maybe we could work on first step quickness. But really, those are things that we oftentimes work on in the off season, right? During the season, it's all about how can we maintain what they've built in the off season from a strength standpoint, from a, from a movement efficiency standpoint. How can we make sure those movement patterns aren't breaking down? They're staying crisp. They're staying clean. Um, and they're staying efficient. And then how can we help them best recover so they can go out and perform the next day? Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, baseball is six to seven days a week, depending on the week. So, And so with the recovery, and recovery has become such an important thing in the last few years, or, you know, people have become much more aware of it. And that's been a large focus of my podcast is on fitness recovery. What are some of the strategies that, that Major League Baseball players are using that, that we might not know about, that people in the, the general consumer might not? And why are they so important? Yeah, it's it, it continues to be a question that people discuss and ask, right? How do we best get these guys to recover? How do we manage their load, their individual load, uh, in order to help them recover? Because everybody manages load differently, right? Like, I am not a runner by any means. And if someone is a runner, right, like going out and running a 10K for somebody who's a runner or a 5K is not that big of a deal. It doesn't tax their system the way it would tax mine when I'm not a runner, right? So it's the same load. If you think about, like, the load of running a 5K or a 10K, two different organisms, right? Two different humans. So we process that load very differently, right? So how we manage that external load and how we kind of manage that internal load is, is really sort of different. So that that's the question, right? Is how do we help people manage load better? Um, and so it's a little bit different for everybody. Some people need... Um, um, tissue ma- quality management, right? Like some people might need um, autonomic nervous system balance, right? So maybe they're constantly staying in the sympathetic state and we need to figure out ways to kind of switch them off a little bit and get them into a parasympathetic state. Or if they're constantly being under-recovered, right? A lot of people talk about overtraining, but a lot of times these guys aren't necessarily overtrained. They're just under-recovered, meaning they, they haven't returned to that baseline state 
in order to be able to perform again. So how can we help them from a sleep standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, from um, any type of modalities, whether that be water therapy, whether that be foam rolling or massage, how do we help them manage external load internally better? And now, were any athletes, were, were, were the players sometimes, would they give you pushback when you're trying to like get them to do different recovery strategies? Because I could imagine some guys like, yeah, 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 whatever, I know what I'm doing. You know, how, how, was it a mindset, was it shifting the mindset? What, what, what did it take to get somebody who's like 30 years old under a million dollar contract to, to pay attention to what you're telling them. Yeah, oftentimes it's injury, right? Like when we're young, and, and you don't even have to be a professional athlete. I mean, when you're 18, 19, 20, you're in your early 20s, you think you are invincible, yeah. right? And then all <laughs> of a sudden you hit mid-30s, and you know now I'm in my mid-40s, I'm like, oh, wow, things are quite different now, right? Like my workouts, I am no longer attached to going to the gym for two hours a day. First of all, like who, I, I just don't have that time anymore yeah. to go to the gym, right? You, like life starts to take over, you have family, right? Like go to the gym for two hours a day, just it doesn't fit into life anymore. So how do you get and maintain, right, your same fitness levels or your same loads or whatever within a 30-minute workout. And then, again, kind of taking in concepts of recovery, right? I'm traveling the world these days, teaching and lecturing and learning and doing all of those things. Like, for me, getting a, getting a going to the gym and getting a 30-minute workout isn't always what I need. Like, sometimes I need to go get a massage. Sometimes I need to meditate. Sometimes I do need to just, you know, walk on an incline on the treadmill for 30 minutes or, or spin on the bike to just get my legs moving a little bit. Like, my my personal things for what I need to do to just feel better, to be able to work, are totally different now than what they were in my 30s and definitely different than what they were in my 20s. So same thing with the athletes, right? Like as they grow and as they age, when they're in their early 20s, they don't think they need recovery regeneration. They think they're going to ride this train for the rest (laughs) of their life and it's going to be great. And then an injury happens and they realize, oh, okay, I'm not invincible. Maybe I need to start paying attention to things like movement prep and activation and foam rolling and recovery strategies and pay attention to my nutrition and maybe not drink a ton of alcohol and get a good night's sleep. And, you know, they start to realize that there's all of these things that, wow, I need to heal and how can I support my body to heal? But a lot of times, sadly, injury is really what it takes for people to have that mindset shift. Now, quick question, and this is, I wasn't even something I was thinking of, but you live in Arizona, right? I do. You just talked about that. Yeah. I was just there a couple weekends ago. Is Arizona a cannabis state? Is there a medical cannabis? Um, there's medical, medical there, cannabis. yes. Medical cannabis, okay. Have you, have you been looking into that at all? Because I've been doing a little bit of reading about like cannabis and recovery and different things. Have, is that anything you've, you've gone, you know, I wasn't planning on asking that question, but just you mentioned alcohol. And I know the reason why I ask this is a lot of people our age, just anecdotally, I'm 47. I, people are, t- especially in California, where, where it's re- legal recreationally, they're shifting drinking less alcohol and using more THC. Sure. And I don't know, and I still, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a couple of people on the podcast so I can talk to about this. Have you studied that at all? Looked at that at all? Yeah, I've looked at it a bit. Um, definitely not my area of expertise. Yeah, so yeah, no, yeah expected, for but. sure. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's it, right? People are, are realizing at the end of the day. How Alcohol is is a legal poison. It is, yeah, absolutely, absolutely is. <laughs> and are you know, are there other ways, whether whatever your belief system or not, you know, that maybe certain plants and certain herbs can give us uh, different benefits, right? Without sort of t- like toxifying our body, if that's even a word. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that there are some interesting things with CBD and with THC that. Um, 
people are looking at, right? From, um, I'm actually on a, a pain task force um, with a, a whole bunch of different uh, large organizations, and, and we'll be putting out a paper on that soon. Um, so, you know, from a pain control standpoint, not a ton of, of evidence from just a general orthopedic, oh, CBD or THC might help from a pain standpoint. Now, for like severe pain, like cancer type pain, seizures, those sorts of things, absolutely some really, really wonderful um, research that shows that, that those things can help people in severe pain. You know, knee tendonitis, maybe not a whole lot of evidence there. But for sleep, for sure, right? There's yeah. some interesting things from a sleep standpoint. And, you know, speaking from experience, I, I utilized personally a ton of Ambien when I was in baseball. Yeah, um, oh, wow, yeah. and, and it really, I mean, it took a good decade for me to really get my sleep under control and not utilize Ambien on a daily basis anymore, right? Like that drug is really, really strong. And so, you know, for me as a healthcare professional who wasn't even out on the field playing every day, if if I can get into utilizing that drug a lot, right? Like, is there a better, more natural way, uh, you know, including melatonin, including all the sleep hygiene things that people are talking about now, right? Like not being on your phone and sort of all of those things, dark rooms, and I, I never leave my house without an eye mask and earplugs and the whole thing, right? Like all these other things that can kind of help us promote a good night's sleep versus ambient and alcohol, um, which, you know, I easily got into for a little bit. And, and that's And the reason why I ask that is because I know, like, I listen, you know, I listen to a couple sports shows, and I know that in the and I pay attention more, like I said, to the strength and conditioning. And I know coming up in the next NFLPA, that's going to be one of the big issues. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, when you look at hydrocodone, we look at oxycontin, we look at some of the pills they're giving these players, they're giving these athletes. I mean, we're going back to that poison concept, right? I mean, they're yeah. trying to kill the pain, and so at some point, you know, there, there has to be a let's take a legitimate look at THC and CBD. And is this any worse for our body than, say, maybe taking four or five Percocet a day? Yeah. Yeah, that's right, right? Like, at the end of the day, when we start looking at the medications and the side effects from so many different medications, um, you know, it, it it's tough to not look at some other alternatives, right? Exactly, Just because yeah. there's been a certain stigma surrounding things for uh, our entire life doesn't yeah. mean it's not something that we need to maybe shift our mindset on a bit and look at it. And like you said, like, is it any worse than these other drugs that are really harsh on our systems that have tons of well-documented side effects. Um, Are there some things that maybe can help with, um, you know, things like sleep, recovery, anxiety, pain? Uh, Yeah, I think we need to be willing to to look at that. So yeah, I'll be interested. I think this is a really interesting time um, as we're, you know, it's, it's obviously been a controlled substance, so it's not one of those things that people have really been able to put research dollars towards, right? Yeah, so, because I mean, you can't even research it right, legally. Right, you in can't the research it legally. So it, this is an interesting shift, right, where now we are able to, you know, certain states and certain places are able to start to, depending on their situations and where they get their funding from, can now start to kind of study this. And, and I think it's something that, that we need to look at in the research and kind of see short-term and long-term effects of these things, just like we have done with any other drug in the past. And then now to switch gears a little bit, we're here, we're sitting here in Bangkok, Thailand, <laughs> and you're going off, I know you're doing a little tour after this. How often have you been coming over to Asia? Yeah, I usually do um, like a, a, an Asian tour, sort of one time per year, which is really great. I love being on the side of the world. The people are just super kind and, and so hungry and so passionate to find out, um, you know, just what other 
uh, people are doing and other cultures are doing in the strength and conditioning and fitness world. And so, and that's why I love to come over this way too, is I love to kind of see what people are doing in, in other countries and in other cultures. And, um, you know, the fitness industry is so different around the world and so really and, and, kind of fun. Well, look, what surprises you? Like what, what surprises you when you go into a facility, whether it's in, we're in Thailand or you're in China or, you know, you're in Japan, what, what, what always surprises you or it does anything surprise you when you go to a facility here on this side of this planet? Yeah. Um, that, that's a great question. I think I've just seen so many different things that probably not a whole lot surprises me anymore, yeah. but I think there's always some interesting toys that are over this way that we don't always have. Um, in, um, in the U S like I was in Korea a few years back and they put, I, there was this machine, it was in a, a gym and it, I mean, it literally, there's actually a video of me on Facebook in this thing where I'm standing in it. It's this big, huge, gigantic orb and my legs are strapped in and my arms are strapped in. And I, like, I am like full Eagle spread <laughs> in this machine and they start to spin you and they're literally spinning you in all 3d directions. And my core and my neck muscles, my deep neck flexors, my mm. core muscle, everything was just firing. And I'm oh, thinking, wow, okay. no way in the United States would someone be spread eagle, strapped in the middle of this gigantic orb and spinning in all these different directions like that's just not in a gym, right? So I think there's some interesting um, sort of toys, for lack of a better word, uh, on this side of the, of the world um, that are interesting to kind of look at and play with. Um, and, you know, just to kind of see, I think too, in some countries, people are very manual therapy based, right? They want to do a lot of massage. They want to do a lot of hands-on stuff. Other places are really exercise based and they don't do any manual therapy. And some places like the new cool, what, what kind of toy can we use? And other places are like, no, we're not going to use any external toys. So it's just kind of fun to see the different cultures in different countries and, and what people are doing and emphasizing. But it's always fun to get back to the states, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always, I mean, it's always, yeah, home it, is always home, right? It's always it's as much as I love traveling. It's that like that last night, that last morning of like, whew, I'm finally getting on the plane. And when you sit down on the plane, and you buckle in, and you're like. It feels good to be going. It's like I such know. A good feeling. I, it's funny. I had that sensation. I was I was traveling quite a bit, and I was in Italy, and and my plane, I, I it, was, it was canceled. Right, I was supposed to come home, oh, and my flight got canceled. And and I heard myself. I was being such a brat, and I was complaining to a couple of my friends. I'm like, I'm stuck in Italy. I'm in stuck in Venice, and I'm so. Ang-. And people are like, Do you hear yourself? Like you're saying you're stuck in Venice. And I'm like. I know, I hear myself. But when you're ready to come home, you're, ready you're just ready home. to come home. Yeah, you're, like, you're ready to do that. Now, you're here promoting a book. What's what's your book about? Yeah, yeah. my book is called Bridging the Gap from Rehab to Performance. And uh, it's exactly that, everything that we just were talking about from um, athletes' performance back in the day. And, and really, that's the space that I live in, right? I don't do a whole lot of post-operative care anymore. Um, actually, I, I say that, and one of my patients is post-operative right now. Uh, <laughs> but, right, like I don't do a ton of post-op stuff, and I don't do a ton of weight room stuff anymore. I'm kind of in that space where guys are, they're done with their rehab, but they're not fully back out onto the field and a lot of recovery and regen stuff with, um, uh, with needles, right? Like I teach dry needling in the United States. And so how do we utilize needles to kind of help the autonomic nervous system recover? Oh, so what um, is dry needling? Never yeah. heard that term. So if you can go into that for me, that'd be great. Yeah. What, what is, so, um, it's, it's a form of Western medical acupuncture. It's okay. a, and again, depending on where you are in the world, dry needling means very specific things to different people. Um, and so dry needling is really more Western medical based where, um, we utilize a fine filiform needle to, insert that into the 
body and stimulate a healing response. So it can help with pain control. It can help with autonomic nervous system balance, um, a lot of endogenous opioid release, uh, stuff with it, a lot of serotonin, noradrenaline, things that kind of help the body feel better and recover. Cool. Well, as you can hear, they're getting ready to get back. Yeah. We're, we're, we're at the conference. You can hear the, the people getting back in the background, and they're getting ready to get it back started again. And I know you have to run here. Where, ways, where can people find your book? How do you have a website? Do you have a, uh, do you have any social media accounts? How can people get more information about what you're doing? I do. Yeah. Actually, if you go to um, structureandfunction.net. That is going to be the best place to kind of find everything that we're doing. Um, if you go to my other website, suefalsoni.com, you can find um, all the information about my book. And uh, social media is just my name. I'm not super creative with my social media handles. So you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter and LinkedIn. As well. All right. Thank you for your time, Sue, and have a wonderful rest of your trip. Thank you very much. Now, that was an interesting conversation, and that was a lot of fun. So first of all, now, if you hear something different, uh, that's because I, I mentioned this in the beginning. I recently moved apartments, and so I'm in uh, – I'm <laughs> to, to kind of peel the layer back, this is a very intricate operation here all about fitness. So rather than paying for studio time, which can be somewhat expensive, especially when a podcast is not generating uh, positive revenue – I uh, have been recording in my closet. I, you know, my in my previous place um, where I, you know, previously lived. I recorded in the closet. I set it up to be soundproof, and I'm in the process of having to soundproof this new closet. So if you hear a little bit of an echo, that might be why I'm not 100% do, uh, done with the soundproofing yet. But it's been enough time that I posted up uh, an interview that wanted to get this out there. So sound sound quality be danged. Now, before I go into a little more, a few thoughts about the conversation, remember, if you want to learn more about exercise, if you really want to learn more about the types of exercise that can enhance your quality of life, and yes, exercise can slow down the aging process. It can. It really can. Then pick up a copy of my book, um, the Sci- Smarter Workouts. <laughs> it's been so long since I've done this. Yeah, pick up a copy of my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. I have a link down below in the show notes. It's directly to the publisher. That's a publisher link. Uh, Human Kinetics is a publisher. Um, you know There are other places to buy books online. However, uh, they do not give the author uh, that big of a commission. So if uh, you are a fan of All About Fitness and you want to support the show, please do us a favor and buy uh, buy Smarter Workouts from, from the publisher. So with that, it, it really is important to speak with someone like Sue because she's a groundbreaker. She really is. I mean, to sit back and to hear the story about what they started with, you know, she really was there at the beginning. I mean, if anybody, you know, if you're a fan of professional sports, more than likely, uh, some of the top players in your sport, whatever your sport is, more than likely, some of your top players have worked with a facility like Exos. And at Exos, what Mark Verstegen did, Mark Verstegen was the founder of, of Athletes Performance, and he did something that's very unique. He created a team approach to conditioning. You know, so for years, you had a strength coach. You have, you know, you have athletic trainers. So let's look at a college. If anybody played college sports, you, you know the drill. And if you didn't play college sports, the strength coach is the, is the person, mostly men, but they're also female strength coaches. But strength coaches is that guy in the weight room yelling at you to lift more. The strength coach will work with the, with the team coach to come up with the workout that will get the athletes. And, and the role of the strength coach, you know, I've interviewed Todd uh, Todd Wright on there. Todd Wright was the uh, strength coach for the Philadelphia 76ers, but he recently moved and is now the strength coach of the, of the uh, Clippers. I've interviewed other strength coaches the role of a strength coach is to keep the athletes injury free. You know, the role of a strength and conditioning program is to help the athletes stay on the field or on the pitch. 
the role of an athletic trainer like Sue, and Sue's also qualifies as a strength coach, but a role of an athletic trainer like Sue is to provide acute care if an athlete gets injured or to provide care to keep an athlete from getting injured in the first place by taping or providing some e-stim or anything like that prior to training or prior to a match. So then besides that, you have nutrition, you have a registered dietitian. And there's so many, there's so much information out there about nutrition. My advice to you folks is don't, don't really listen to anybody. And I know that's really heavy handed, but really, if you're looking for nutrition, look for an RDN. That's a registered dietitian nutritionist. They're the people who have gone to a five-year program, have completed a board certification to be able to use that qualification. So what Mark Verstegen did, Mark Verstegen brought strength coaches, athletic trainers, dietitian nutritionists. He brought in recovery experts. He brought all these different people into one, into one place so that an athlete could get the best treatment or the best conditioning possible. One of uh, his, what, what Mark Verstegen or who Mark Verstegen was known for early on was Nomar Garcia Parra and, you know, by proxy Mia Hamm. And he worked with, you know, he trained a number of top athletes. And as they, as they got contracts and as they got that second or third contract to continue to pay them, athletes saw that and they stayed and they would come to Mark and Sue and Nick Winkleman and Brett Bartholomew. There are a number of people out there that are, that are top conditioning coaches in various major sports that all got their starts at athletes' performance, now Exos. So that's why it's good to catch up with Sue. I wanted I wanted you to hear from her, kind of her background, her experience, but I also wanted you to hear, because I think it's fascinating when a woman, and we're going to see this in the next few years, right? We, we have, um, there's been one woman, oh, she's blanking on me. Uh, I want to invite her on the podcast, but she's coached with the Arizona Cardinals. I know she's done some coaching in the NFL. Jen, I can't remember her last name. Um, I believe she recently got a PhD, but there's one woman trying to break in the ranks of professional coaching. You have another woman that Greg Popovich might make uh, the next uh, head coach when he steps down of the San Antonio Spurs. So within the next few years, we will see females play much stronger role in professional sports, in the role of strength coach, athletic trainer, and possibly player, position coach, or head coach. So I wanted to kind of acknowledge that by having Sue on as a guest of the program. And she's been on, when I, when I go through and I think about content for the show, I try to think of people that would be interesting for me to speak with and for you to listen to. And Sue was one of those people on my short list because she was the first female to have that type of role in any of the performed major sports. And so when I saw we're going to be at the show at Bangkok together, I was stoked. So I recorded this at the conversation at the trade show in uh, Bangkok um, at the Asia Fitness Conference. So it's a tremendous trade show. If you are in the Asia region, it's worth going to. Um, but it was one of those trade shows where there are a number of people there. And a number of the people already speaking there, you've already heard uh, on the platform or on the podcast. So it was a lot of fun to catch up with Sue. And I know, um, as I mentioned at the outset, I've been, I would like to use the excuse of busy, um, but between uh, two and a half, almost three weeks in Asia, coming back home, having to move and a couple other things, Frankly, I just really have had other priorities than throwing up podcasts. So for for those of you who've been avid listeners, I do apologize about that. I'm getting the home studio dialed in. I got a great list. I got a phenomenal, phenomenal interview list coming up. So please stay tuned. It's been too long since I've thrown up an episode. I'm trying to get this one quickly. Uh, Please remember, if you're looking for more information about the type of workouts that can help enhance your quality of life, Smarter Workouts, the science of exercise made simple. And if you're looking for that perfect in-home workout product, look no further than the TerraCore. You saw it on the Shark Tank, and now you can get it for your own home. Hey, thanks for stopping by, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.